Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Huntington Study Group. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today I have Seth Rotberg and BJ View on with me again so we can go through um, some updates that we have about what we talked about last time in regards to um, changes in the community and um, you know, want, needing an army to, to make these changes. Seth, BJ, thank you for joining me again today. Hey, Lauren, thanks for having us. So more than having the conversation. Yeah, so more than having just a question back and forth, we're gonna we're just gonna kind of um, talk because <laughs> we seem to do better that way. Us three, we tend to have really good meetings together, and um, that's how we brainstorm and. So we're just going to kind of talk and we want you guys to um, to understand kind of what we've been doing in the past few weeks and um, what we're trying to to really um, get the HD community involved with. So I'm going to have um, BJ and Seth share their thoughts. Uh, we recently um, have had multiple discussions with multiple people, whether it's uh, pharmaceutical research. And so I'm going to have Seth and DJ kind of give some of that information. Sure, I'll, I'll kick us off and, you know, excited to kind of provide a, a brief update. And again, I, I don't want to get everyone too excited, but, you know, any type of progress to me is better than nothing. <laughs> so, you know, from, from my standpoint, I think what's, what's great is that, like you said, Lauren, we're, we're getting a chance to speak with all these different stakeholders in the community, researchers, uh, academia, pharmaceutical and biotech companies, community members, nonprofits, right? And we're all trying to, we're trying to understand each of their viewpoints and then how can we work to bridge the gap between the community and these other stakeholders? And I think that's something that I've learned is after speaking with a variety of different folks, you know, a few things kind of pop out to me per se. Uh, one of one is in which is understanding kind of uh, the, the biomarkers that we're looking at so that we can address Huntington's disease earlier on. Um, so when we think about that, right, we know that most people are diagnosed when showing these, or clinically diagnosed when showing the motor symptoms. We have also learned that years prior to that, those cognitive and behavioral symptoms come. And so how do we look at more preventional trials for people like myself who are considered uh, pre-symptomatic, but, you know, by the time that a company is trying to slow down or halt the disease, and if I'm clinically diagnosed, that's too late. And so it's understanding that piece of it of what are the endpoints that might be able to show that, um, a few that 
or, you know, or a few biomarkers that have been kind of coming out when speaking with these companies and different stakeholders is like neurofilament light chain, which I know we've uh, might have heard through HD Buzz uh, quite a lot. And then also, there, you know, brain imaging can help as well to see changes in the brain over time. Um, but I think it's understanding those, using the data that we've already, you know, through enroll, through predict HD, track HD. There's so many studies that we've done um, that has a lot of this data that we can now utilize to show this and say, hey, we need to work with patients earlier on um, in order to really have a true effect. So that's a little bit of, of what I've learned is just understanding the importance of these endpoints. And then also speaking, you know, quite frankly, you know, with even the FDA to say, okay, what do we, what do we need to do as a community to push this along and really help, you know, get through some of the red tape or some of the challenges that we're facing right now? Yeah, and to jump on, you know, what Seth has shared, I think what we're trying to do, you know, the three of us and a couple others is, is just to get a grasp on what's happening out there. And over the last few weeks, you know, through a handful of conversations, Seth, I think you probably had the most of them with, you know, clinicians, uh, pharmaceutical companies, researchers, and others, is we've learned there's, there's a lot happening right? Like there's a lot happening that we had no idea. And, and that's a good thing. But I think the, the question is, why is, as the patient community, don't we know this is going on? Like, how do we, how do we learn more about all the efforts that everybody is doing to make sure, you know, it's, it's in the most collaborative stance, you know, it's for the lives of the community that we're a part of. Um, but also, you know, if you are out there working on something, if you're a researcher, a clinician, a pharmaceutical company, like, let us help spread what you're working on. Let us help get involved and make sure that that patient caregiver community voice is infused in your project. It's, we understand it's always not the easiest to know who to contact from the patient community, but, you know, this is a, an olive branch of saying, you know, we're here to help, whether it be the three of us or the many connections we have in the community. You know, we, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of solutions. We want to make sure that there is no duplication. We just, we don't have time in this community for any duplication or just wasted money, effort, energy. So, you know, we don't have the answers, all the answers here, but we sure want to help find them. So, if you're out there, you're working on stuff, please reach out. But, you know, we're also really enthused with all the effort and energy that is going into so many different projects. And we're going to keep trying to learn and, and put the pieces together and hopefully use, you know, Lauren, if it's, if it's an option, use the, the podcast here to, to share some of these things we're learning that we think others might be really interested in, in hearing more about. And just to kind of add to that, just because... You know, I, I agree, BJ, is, you know, reach out to us and connect. And from, you know, a industry standpoint, biotech, pharmaceutical, just knowing it, knowing sometimes the hoops of regulatory, legal, can I reach out to them? Oh, they're a community member, right? Do I have to go through the patient advocacy organization? To me is, at the end of the day, reach out to us, right? Like, 
I don't, I think this is another thing personally, and I, I'm not going to go on my, my soapbox about it, but, you know, it's understanding, you know, from a legal compliance standpoint, like speaking to the community is going to help accelerate research and, you know, end of story is making sure that you're reaching out to the community members in some capacity and doing it, you know, professionally, right. It could be through LinkedIn. We're all on LinkedIn. Uh, could be, you know, you see something on Twitter, right. And, and you connect on that. But I think it's just so important to also get a diverse viewpoint. And when I talk about diversity, I'm not just talking about, um, you know, racial background, you know, ethnicity, I'm talking age, gender, socioeconomic background, gene status, right, where you are in, in your Huntington's disease journey, right. And it's so important, right, because for, for me, at least, um, you know, if you go to a patient advocacy organization, I think that's great. But I'm not as of now, and I was in the past, you know, I'm not necessarily associated with one specific organization. So how do I get my story out there? How does maybe BJ get their story or, or even Lauren, right? If they don't go to Help for HD, but they go to another patient advocacy organization. I just think it's important to get these different viewpoints and also get it from the people you're trying to support. So not just getting caregivers, but getting people who are maybe pre-symptomatic, people who are early stage, maybe even people at risk to say, would you be willing to maybe go through genetic testing? So that's just something I wanted just to add in is kind of that diverse viewpoints. And then also just don't be afraid to reach out to us. Like, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think at the end of the day, like you're doing what's best for the community and just remind yourself of that. If you ever say, oh, can I reach out to them? Is, is that is that going to be an issue for my, you know, for regulatory or legal or, or compliance, I guess? And so that that's just kind of my my two cents on that is just making sure not to be afraid to to reach out to us. Absolutely, and uh, I just want to speak on that as well um, because I I think what Seth said is perfect. Um, <clears throat> this isn't about you know a patient advocacy group. This is about people in the HD community. So it doesn't matter to me if it's help for HD, HDSA, HDO. Um, HDF, uh, whatever organization, um, because this is ultimately about our lives. And as BJ said, we don't have time. So if you feel like reaching out, reach out. Um, it does not matter about going through any organization. You don't have to go through a specific organization. Reach out through us. And if you need a connection, we will help you with the connection. Um, we have several of them. And so it's very important that we have the um, we have the community on board to help with, as Seth said, bridging the gap, because there is a gap. We've learned over the past few weeks, very, very exciting things, things I would love to share and I can't right now, um, but things that are up and coming that we as a community need to know about in order to support it, in order to drive it forward. And that is coming and we'll be, we'll be doing that. But we don't want one of the things we realize is um, BJ made a really good point about this earlier. It's, it's not always thought about, right? We all work in our little um, our little areas and we don't think about branching out and asking. And so this is where Seth and BJ and I and others are trying to, as I love what Seth said, to bridge the gap. We're trying to bring all the pieces together so we can work together in the community both professionally and the HD community 
um, to get where we need to be, whether it's clinical trials, diagnostic criteria, whatever it is, we need to, to all come together and make sure that we're communicating appropriately to move this forward as fast as we can. Guys, do you have, Seth, I see you. Do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Any other thoughts? I mean, yeah, no, I think just how do we, how do we bring the pieces together? And it's not that other people aren't trying to do that at all. And it's not, you know, I'll speak for myself. I'm not here to step on toes or cause any more, you know, challenges. It's more of how can I help and how can we help more importantly, bring the community's voice into some of these exciting projects. How do we make sure that we're not just looking at, you know, data is so important. I'm a data nerd but like not just looking at data, but just speaking to the patient saying, is this aligned with what you're interested in? Is this the right data that we're looking at? And I just think there's, there's just seeing from other, you know, health communities, specifically rare disease communities and seeing when the community, when the patient community has a voice and it's working side by side with all these other stakeholders and how much faster they can actually make a difference. It's, amazing and i'm like let's let's do the same thing in hd i mean let's figure it out and there's nothing that stops us from doing that i mean yeah and you're right and again 15 years ago when i first learned about huntington's disease uh i knew there's maybe one or two companies working working in the space now there's you know 20 plus a lot of them are in you know preclinical animal models um but it's exciting, right? And and now to me, it's how do we bring in that voice earlier and throughout drug development so that again, it aligns with the needs of the community. And really, you know, I think the big thing is looking at these preventional trials, right? Looking at trials where you, myself, and many others can participate in because we don't qualify and yet we should, right? Like I get it, there's a risk versus benefit and all that. Um, but I think it's also asking the community, is this something you would do? I mean, I've, I've asked community members, um, specifically young adults who were like, you know, in, who I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word it. I asked them pretty much like if they're, you know, if they were able to kind of fit, a, uh, fit into a clinical study, would they participate? And would they like take this treatment to prevent HD? And majority of them said yes. Right. Um, I think it was like, again, it was a small, quick sample within like maybe 24, 48 hours, 53 out of 54 said yes. The other one said not right now, but will later. Right. So, it, you know, small sample. But the point is people are, are willing to participate. People are willing to get involved. They just don't know how to. And I think that's where we can come in to really shape that. Uh, and I totally agree with that. And one of the conversations that we actually had, you know, and, and it's a theme that we, we've heard all along um, is obviously uh, in pre-symptomatic or pre-manifest, you have to, they have to be careful, right? That's what they keep telling us. They have to be careful because of the risk and um, have to know that something is going is not going to hurt us. But at the same time, we go into people who are diagnosed and they they still have a risk, and so why is it that we're any different? Do do they think that we don't want <laughs> to participate because there is a risk? 
I am 100% on board and participating even if there is a risk because that's how you move research forward. Now, I'm not saying be reckless, right? I'm not saying don't have protocols in place, but involve us. It, you know, whether that's having a patient advocate who helps you through protocols and helps you through trial design, or whether that's actually including us in the trials and monitoring us in a different way, you know, just involve us because we in the long run are the ones who, you know, who, who need it right now. Um, we are literally there. We're in our 30s and it, it feels like it's right around the corner. And you know, that's scary. And I want there to be something for me. I've got two kids. I want there to be something for me. So how do I move it forward? Does it mean I'll take a risk? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just overall thinking, you know, they need to show clinical benefit over a timely manner, right? And I think that's a challenge sometimes, but that's where I think looking at the right, you know, biomarkers or, or endpoints right and understanding okay are we looking at the right areas that we can see improvements or changes in the brain or you know it's I know it's a lot easier to measure motor symptoms right you can see them um, you know behavioral psychiatric symptoms are very tough to measure um, you know and this is not just me saying it's I spoke with clinicians about it and I get it right you know you could have an off day and you're like is this HD or is this just a, a, an off day right Oh, I have a lot of changes going on. It's just anxiety. And so then it's kind of looking at, okay, well, what about like the cognitive piece? And can we really just help with that uh, total function, functional capacity and really improving quality of life? And I think that's something we need to think of as overall Huntington's disease, not just symptom specific, right? Because that's only kind of like, it's kind of like the, the, the bandaid on the, on the, bigger like scar, right? You need to really, you know, go in there and, and fix it. You can't just put a, hey, Band-Aid on, all right, this is temporary fix, right? How do we look at it from a holistic standpoint? And I think, you know, it's exciting that a lot of companies are looking at it and trying to make a difference. Absolutely. Well, guys, I really appreciate you coming on and um, sharing your thoughts. We are constantly in contact, us three, um, and, we're, you know, always trying to communicate with people, not only in the HD community, but um, pharmaceutical companies, researchers, however we can, to find out how we can help and to figure out how we bridge the gap. And um, so I really appreciate these guys coming on, sharing their thoughts. BJ, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? Yeah, I, I, you know, I just, what's next? Um, you know, it, my thought is we're going to continue to try to have as many conversations as we can, try to connect some dots, and we're still continuing to evaluate, you know, what what we can do, um, what others out there can do. But again, we're we're encouraging those out there to to reach out to us. You know, we want to know what you're working on, and you know, if if possible, we want to share it, and we want to be a part of it. So, uh, I think that's kind of the next step for us is going to keep moving. Hopefully we can do another show and keep the conversation going in a month, month and a half. Um, but again, you know, same message as we gave a month ago, if you're listening, uh, you know, we look forward to hearing from you in, in any capacity, but um, yeah, we're, we're, 
we're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, we will continue to have these talks. We'll continue to use this platform to, to update you guys on what we're doing and try to keep you guys informed. We certainly want the AC community to know what's going on. Um, you know, I think that's a really big part of what we're doing as well is this transparency in order to know next steps. So um, make sure to tune in to our shows in the future um, to get updates on next steps, on exciting information that we're able to share and um, conversations that we had and brainstorming sessions that we had, because that happens a lot. Um, so again, thanks for joining us today and make sure to tune in later. Thanks guys. Take care. Thank you. See you, Lauren. Thanks, Seth. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.